Before we get going into your Hockey IQ podcast episode, I want to thank our sponsor, Rapid Shot. Rapid Shot is the smart shooting lane. Uh, it's like a batting cage for hockey players. Very cool. Tracks your shot in three ways. Accuracy, shot speed, and reaction time. Uh, easy to use. Uh, actually, I used it when I played and was growing up. Very easy. Simply scan your phone in, select your settings, and start shooting. Uh, you can see your stats on the app and online. And you can check them out at rapidshot.com. Uh, great small business. I actually grew up with one of the owner's sons and have played with all the family members by now. Uh, just in local pickups here in Ohio. Very cool local business. Awesome product. I love it. I know quite a few NHLers have them in their homes. Uh, a lot of D1 programs have it at their rinks. So you have to check this out. Rapidshot.com. Check it out. Rapidshot, thank you so much for sponsoring our podcast. On the Hockey IQ podcast today, we bring on Mike Benelli. Uh, Mike, you've been all over the place. Uh, where are you currently? Uh, you're with USA Hockey. You're doing floorball. Uh, you know, hockey director. You're, you're doing a lot of great work out here, but I feel like uh, you're doing so much. It's hard to keep a correct title. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tell me about it. Ask my wife. I, I think it's um. So I've I've come to I've come to be able to get this into a place where it's uh. Uh, a hockey solutions architect, which seems to help me kind of fit in all the different uh, elements of the game that I'm working in, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, growing a youth hockey program, helping kids train, uh, building fundraising programs, uh, doing outreach, uh, or just plain, you know, trying to find uh, the best solutions to, you know, dealing with, you know, parents, coaches, and players. Uh, it, it seems to have, uh, you know, really helped me kind of encompass everything I do when I speak to people in, in the hockey world. All right. So you, you've been in this for a hot second, we'll say, uh, being able mm -hmm. to grow the game. So what, what has been the most successful thing you've seen at growing the sport um, and keeping those people that you just recruited into the, the sport retained? Because uh, both of those are actually crucial to spreading the love that, you know, is the hockey family. Yeah. So, so that's my, you know, that's basically my three core principles that I work with, with any program I, I get, I get involved in is, is, you know, number one, recruit, number one, train and number three, retain. Right. So, and we want to do that with our players. And I think just as importantly, our coaches, and that's really one of the things that I really try to focus on is, okay, we've done a great job recruiting. And I don't mean recruiting, like giving kids cars and stuff. I mean, just, you know, showing a great program out there that, that people are attracted to. And then training those kids in the program. And then most importantly, how do we retain that? How do we retain our, our intellectual property? How do we retrain, retain the coaches we've developed? And I think the number one key always comes back to, uh, you know, fun. <laughs> and, 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 you know, through communication, uh, through commitment, uh, through your culture. You know, if you can do those kind of things, and none of those are easy. They're all hard, actually. Um, and they're easy to forget, but if you do all this work uh, to build your programs up, then you wanted to retain all the job, all the all the work you did to to get those kids in the door, and those parents, and those coaches. Yeah, nothing's more frustrating than uh, doing a, a great job, having a great program, and then losing players and parents uh, that you really appreciate. Not, nothing worse than that, but uh, it sounds like you're doing a great job there. Um, 
curious on the train part, you know, that's, that's where everyone focuses. And I'm glad that we, we kind of skipped over that because I feel like that USA hockey is doing a great job with the ADM and really doing a nice job at uh, training players and coaches these days. But, uh, you know, how have you seen from your seat? You've been around USA hockey. You've seen guys like Marty St. Louis uh, literally pick it up from ground one and, and run with it. How have you seen that train evolve over time and where it's gone to today? Um, and why might it be better or worse? Yeah, so I think the training aspect, I mean, one, one of the things USA Hockey's done, which is really, I think, appreciated by anybody within USA Hockey, and really, I, I, as you can see, I think appreciated around the world and how um, you know the USA Hockey people and staff are always invited to Finland and Sweden and Russia and Canada, and they're always guest speakers at all these different you know, global skills and, and coaching conferences, things like that, is that they've done the research and it's not just uh, happenstance that they've come up with a lot of the fundamental resources that we need as youth coaches. I think, you know, one of the aspects of the training environment um, that, that we all lack, most of us as, as youth hockey coaches, are the fact that we're not trainers. You know, we're just, we're, we're dads and moms and we just go to the rink, and and I think, you know, this gives us a, a great blueprint. Um, you know, one of the things that I've loved um, about the people I associate with is that most of the people I work with in the coaching world are just life learners. They're people that love to learn, and hockey is one of the things they love to learn about. And pro- and the, and conversely, one of the most frustrating things is being around people that don't want to learn and don't feel like the resources that are out there are worth their time to look at. So I think, you know, I think one of the things that USA hockey has done a great job with is, is bringing those resources to uh, us as coaches and parents and players. Uh, And one of the things we faltered uh, with uh, is making sure those get in the hands of the right people or, or for lack of a better term, you know, selling it to the people that need to hear it the most. Um, you know, Greg, I know I've seen you in, you know, every, you're, if you're, if there's a conference, you're at it. If, if there's a, if there's an online resource, you're, you're an attendee. I, and, and we all find ourselves in the same circles of people, um, who we need are the people that aren't in those conferences that aren't in those meetings that aren't going on those zoom sessions. Those are the people we have to reach because ultimately the, the majority are, are the ones working with our kids. The majority of the people that aren't on those calls are the ones that are at 5.30 at night on the ice with a 10U team, you know, doing a five-on-oh breakout drill and, and yelling and screaming at the kids. So I think that's where like, our focus really, uh, we have to find ways to reach those people as opposed to the people that already, you know, that, that, are, that, are, that have drank the Kool-Aid, I guess, for lack of a better term. I don't know if they've drank the Kool-Aid. They're just seeking out the best solutions. And uh, currently, uh, like you mentioned, USA Hockey has done the research. Like they, They've not half-assed this process and this system, and it continues to evolve and be elite. Like I, I'm looking to the Olympic committees in the United States, and um, every single one by now has a component, if not almost identical, to the American development model that was – done by USA hockey. I mean, truly a, a leading organization. It's tough when you're kind of like the, the trailblazer, you know, like you're marching it, like you're going to get a lot of crap and all of that. But uh, if you look deeper, it's, 
I mean, it's the best because I remember when I first went through and it was before ADM was truly available and out there. And I was like, this, this is not very good. Um, and now I've seen it come full circle and I'm like, I need to get involved with this. Uh, it actually got me excited. So uh, I, I think what's happening now is at the elite level and those that want to get better can get better and get very good, very fast. You know, they're no longer yelling. They're asking good questions. Uh, they're finding good uses of time. They're understanding that perception and action go together and we shouldn't separate those, you know, maybe objects on the ice are, are very good, um, things like that. So it's, it's been an exciting time. And I assume that you're excited uh, with helping people get through these things and find solutions. And uh, I've listened to a few of your um, pieces on just what I think it's called the hockey directors club over at the coaches site. Yeah. Directors um, club. Yeah. We're having fun with it and having good guests. And, you know, again, that's, that's like my way of learning. Right. I, I get to go on and hear other experts uh, answer my questions, which I love, you know, like, OK, let me let me I'll get I'll get a lot of easy answers here. So exactly where I want to go with this is like, what have you learned? What have you pulled? Like you've done this for a long time, but you're always learning and finding something new. What's been that new big thing through that director's club that you're saying, like, oh, this is great. I started utilizing it or just like some good points. You're like, oh, this is absolutely um, you know, everyone should be doing it. like, it's super obvious. Like the fact that we don't do it more often, is killing me. What are those kind of things for you? Yeah. Well, I, I think out of all the things I do, it's, it just keeps coming back to like, you have to connect with the players. Like you have to connect, like, again, I'm, I'm in the youth hockey world, right? So I'm not working with, you know, kids that are billeting. I'm not working with players that are away in college. I'm not working with pro athletes, uh, you know, in, in season. Like, so I'm not, I'm not dealing with, you know, what, you know, how are we teaching, you know, guys and girls to behave properly in the dorm rooms? I'm working with the kids that leave the rink and go in the car with their parents and the parents interact and the parents interaction with the coaches. And one of the things that the, the overriding theme over and over and over again is positive and transparent communication. All of the other stuff is irrelevant. All the strategy, all the X's and O's. All of the, you know, how, you know, how are you going to line up your season? It all keeps coming back to what kind of communicator are you? How are you communicating? And in, in what way are you communicating? Like, for instance, like I'm like as, as a coach, I, and, and it's a definitely a big flaw of mine is that I'm a, I'm a very uh, like, I, I get, I get to a point where I'm like kind of sarcastic to kids. Like, Oh, that was a great fast. Like, you know, you, you really need to, you know, you know, and I, I just, and that's just my personality. And I've really tried to change that. And I know I thinking back, it's funny with social media and everything. I'm, I'm, you know, friends or you know, associated with a lot of the guys that used to play for me growing up. And they'll look at like my Facebook post, be like, who the hell are you? Like, when did that happen? You know, like, like, don't you remember when, you know, you were bag skating us, you know, at, you know, at, uh, you know, six o'clock in the morning, because, you know, on a Saturday, because we lost the game on a Friday. So again, I've, I've felt like I've evolved so much. And I really do try to be conscious of that as when I'm speaking to new coaches or any coach, right, that, that, that I'm consciously trying to evolve. And I've made those mistakes. And I'll make them again. And I'm just but I'm but every day, like through like this this journey I'm doing with the, the directors club. And I, and obviously I, I get on this call with uh, the sharks and Wally Kozak and these legends that you start hearing the same theme over and over and over again, like connect with your players, you know, be present for your players. And at the youth hockey level, it's be present for your players and your parents. 
because they, they're they're one and the same. They're not they're not separated at 10U and 12U and 14U. The parent, as much as we want to, the parent and the player are, are, are one piece at that level. Absolutely, uh, and it's it's funny how I, I've I've coached coaches that they're like I do with the players. The players have to be you know becoming into their themselves, which I get, and especially at the older age, like high school for sure. Um, but it's like you can't just ignore the parents altogether. And uh, one of the the greatest strategies that I've ever seen is just a weekly email, like even if it just covers logistics, like how much people are like don't you ever not publish a weekly email it doesn't matter what's in it as long as there's something going out and that consistency is is something that people look forward to uh and take note of yeah well the the, the technology is here for all of us like i i know you know uh when i see my kids coaches sending out like they have sport U or sport engine or team snap or i used a a, a program called power player whatever it is like it's just having the we have the technologies out there it's so easy to press a button and send a note and just say hey just want to tell you get up this morning have a great day can't wait to see you at practice or don't forget be prepared dude i i I work with this little program called the junior rangers here in the east coast with the new york rangers which is like a rookie league and i send out these notes all the time for no other reason but to make sure i'm connecting with the parents and and the kids and 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 that when things come up I'm prepared for them. I'm, I'm, my preparation is that I want to get something before it gets to me. And I think we can do that in these weekly, you know, weekly newsletters are perfect uh, scenario. You know, the, the days of team meetings and spending an hour after practice, that's tough. And I remember even when I first started coaching, you know, back in the day in high school, and that, that's the first conversation I would have. Hey, I'm Mike Benelli. Here's my background. Here's what I've done. I'm going to love working with your players. Please don't contact me. Don't call me. I'll see you at the banquet. And that was it. And that was acceptable. I mean, you know, that was, I mean, I remember when I had a problem with my coach, my father would be like, well, what'd you do? Like, what'd you do? I, go, I didn't do anything. Well, well, you must've done something. The coach is <laughs> mad at you. And now it's the other way around. It's like, okay, well, we're going to go talk to that coach and we're going to find out what, why that, co-. you know, so be proactive in, in doing that. And I think having that communication and having that clear line that says, here's what I'm trying to do for you. Here's my goal and expectations for you. And here's how I'm going uh, with this uh, is really going to help, you know, preemptively uh, keep people, you know, from knocking on your door and waiting for you to come out of the office. Absolutely. And I, I think there's another component that gets overlooked is like the, the actual skills of coaching, because everyone for me confuses knowledge and like all the details of the game. And oh, I, I know the game really good. I've studied the game as like a coaching skill like knowledge is not a coaching skill it is a coaching resource but it is not a coaching skill like a coaching skill is communication okay and then there's the components that go into it like delivering a message how you deliver the message and then the one that that really grinds my gears is like checking for understanding like teaching is not learning those are two separate things one is an action that you try to do and one is what actually happens on the other end from the learner themselves like Simply finding a question to confirm, yes, they actually got our message. And, and I'm going to write on this, but the two worst questions in hockey being, uh, does that make sense or any questions? Those are just such token, like, I'm, I'm checking for understanding. I, I'm going to pull the room, but it doesn't actually work at all. Uh, I mean, you got to have a brave soul, especially in front of a big room to actually answer those. So it's like, 
as as we're coaching up everyone and coaching ourselves to get better, I mean, you and I both know we've all made these mistakes a million times over. It's just a matter how fast someone goes through all the mistakes or how quickly they're able to learn. But just like finding and understanding that there's a difference between knowledge and feeling comfortable as a coach versus the actual skills that go into coaching and how that they're able to connect with the players to really understand and be in touch with where the pulse of the team is or the pulse of the players and the parents, et cetera. Yeah. So if you watch like the evolution of like even the coaching education program here in the U.S., right, where when I first started doing this a, a while ago, it, we literally were handing out, you know, X and O power play, penalty kill, breakout schemes. Like this is what we were doing. And this is as little as 10 years ago. Right. And where it's evolved now, where you go to a coaching education program, I don't think they even mention ice hockey. It's all about how do you teach an individual and then how do you get them to learn? Like I can, I can tell you, and you're exactly right. Like if you're in a room, like before the pandemic, it was, you know, I, I, in the East here, when I was doing the coaching education program, you know, we, I have a room of, there could be 400 coaches in the room. You think somebody's going to get up and, and, oh, and then it's the wrong person that gets up and speaks like, Oh, please. You're going to ask me about, you know, how come this is a penalty? Like, I don't want to hear about that. I want to hear about, you know, let's, let's hear about how are we going to teach our kids? Cause I don't know what your, I don't know what your situation is. I don't know how many lefties, how many righties, how your team an A team. Is it a B team? Is it a might team? Is it a midget team? But all I want to know is, can you teach and can those players then learn? Uh, you know, and can you, you could put yourself in a situation where, you know, you can leave practice where they, where you feel like they've, they've, they've actually brought a skill and been able to perfect it and then can go home and actually work on it. And I think we, we lose that. Uh, and we have lost that before, but I think where USA hockey has gone with their coaching education is exactly what you're talking about. Greg is that they've talked now about the strategies of how to, for coaching, for the, for the coaches side, when you're talking to your students, like, how do you um, make situations that are going to help children learn rather than just feed them a PowerPoint presentation and then expect them to, you know, have the answers when they leave. Yeah. Like how do you, Serve. How do you explain? How do how do you demonstrate? Like all of these things are the actual skills of coaching, and everyone comes in. Oh, I'm going to fix this. All these players are going to be brilliant and everything. And you're and every person that's ever been around, you know, kids for two seconds. Like, okay, this guy's or girl's going to have a massive well, rude awakening. Yeah, and I used to say that when I was like my first question, be like, oh, how many people in the room are phys ed teachers? Like, and how many phys ed teachers would take your kids on a football field? And line all your kids up on one end of the football field, go to the other end of the football field and start explaining what you want them to do, like with kindergartners or with first graders or second graders. It's chaos. It's mass hysteria. Right. So, you know, that, and that's where I think the education uh, program is gone is, is becoming, you know, getting in the head of the teacher, getting in the head of the of the of the kid, as opposed to, you know, being in the head of the adult who has all this knowledge, but just doesn't know how to relay it. Absolutely. So that brings me to uh, everyone's current favorite coach uh, that you've actually had an up close understanding of how he's evolved. Um, the Montreal Canadiens current head coach, Marty St. Louis. So you guys are in the same youth organization, correct? Yeah. So yeah, same over. At, uh, so CJR mid Fairfield um, hockey is like uh, on, here in Fairfield County, Connecticut is, is, is basically like, you know, uh, sister organizations. They, they, there's a lot of kids that go in between those two and the coaching staff work together. 
uh, the, a lot of the ice is, uh, sometimes there's shared ice. Sometimes they, you know, they're in the same building every day, but, uh, before, um, uh, Marty got, got promoted, uh, you know, we got an opportunity to be on the ice with him a lot in, in a lot of these station based type of environments that we're in, but also just watching him before and after practice and, um, and watching his practices and the way he works. So I'm curious how, I mean, he, he had a bit of a head start than most, uh, so we'll, we'll handicap it a little bit on that. But what kind of evolution did you see in, in Marty? Because he clearly had a head start, and he's had some good mentors before he probably even touched the ice as a coach. Um, but, like, how has he evolved since he first got on the ice until today? And I'll, I'll start with a, a little story on, uh, like, after his first few practices, someone interviewed him, and like, yeah, so what's going on? He's like, yeah, you know, spacing, I got to figure that out, make sure it's the right space for this level. Basically, like he was like, ah, I made it either too big or too small. I need to find the right area for the concepts and the small area games that I'm running. So, like, that, he's clearly a quick learner, but like, that is always cool. So, I'm curious for an up close and personal being able to talk with him. What was the kind of coaching evolution that he went, uh, even though he may, you know, know a thing or two prior to? stepping on on the bench well that's what's great about being around people like him and i found that with a lot of pros uh, and not just marty i mean you know I, I i have the i'm really lucky to get to work with a lot of ex pro hockey players like bryce salvador is one guy i work with who's a, who's a youth hockey coach now who could t- go right in and coaching the nhl right now i mean he's brilliant so when you and you work and you, when you work when you see a guy like marty st louis and you start understanding that it doesn't it's not easy like he comes prepared like he doesn't wing it like he doesn't he doesn't just come to practice he, at the at the youth level i mean he's working with you know 10 year olds and he's out there he's got a plan he's got a purpose he's you know, very demonstrative in the way he's teaching but he's having fun he's always laughing he's not losing his mind but i think one of the most impressive things about him was that he was always asking questions he's always wondering like and he would question so one of the things i was doing is i was doing like the monday night skill sessions um, so I would do all the drills for the station based just to organize it and just to make sure when we showed up, everyone kind of had assignments. He'd be like, well, I like this, but I'd, I'd rather see this or we switch this here. This doesn't work with these guys. So, you know, having that understanding now and one of the things he did, he obviously had a head start, but I was, you know, really envious of the fact that he used to have these private phone calls at Roger Grillo, which I think was just unfair, you know, for a youth hockey coach. So, if you, you know, so it was like a weekly, you know, coaching call. Uh, with Roger, who's, who's, you know, really cutting edge for where hockey is right now. And, you know, for Marty to be able to have those kind of mentors and, and feed off of guys like, like Roger and saying, Hey, what would you do here in this situation? Or what, what about, you know, I'm going to try this. What do you think about this? You know, that gave him a lot of the flexibility to do what he wanted to do. I think more importantly too, which unfortunately doesn't, you know, it's not the, it's not the past that a lot of us get, but because of who Marty St. Louis was, or is, you know, going into the youth hockey world, he had a lot more leeway to do what he wanted to do creatively than most coaches would Uh, because he got, you know, he had great players. He does have great players and he was able to explore the boundaries of, of teaching because of the fact that he had, you know, a lot of those parents on the same page as him. Yeah. And that's absolutely vital getting alignment. Um, But before we we go into that, I I just want to touch on the fact that, like he, he wasn't just going through his own experience and figuring it out. Like there's an element of that, but he was asking questions, you know, he's pulling information from you. He's pulling information from Roger and like 
basically hitting the fast forward button on his coaching development to get him to a level that uh, clearly is okay, even by NHL standards. So no reason that we can't all do that and learn from others, uh, you know, using mentors that are good or what I call the anti-mentors people where you're like, I really wouldn't want to do that. Like I, <laughs> I, I have people, I won't mention their names where like whatever they're doing, I, I'm 99% of the time doing the exact opposite and they're great. Everyone's learning opportunity. Uh, yeah, I mean, and that's that's something we I, I thought talk about all the time is like, you know, in the you know, when, when the steps of like the USA hockey certification type stuff and you see it all over the world. But, you know, USA hockey has like level one, two, three, four and then master level five. And and it's great to check those boxes. Right. But there are there there are many level five coaches I would never let my kids on the ice with because they haven't evolved. They've, they've checked the box and they've done the work and they've sat in the room, but they haven't learned. You know, they, 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 they've sat through the presentations and they probably, maybe they took little things from it and they got the patch, but they haven't learned. Like you watch their practices, like, well, and that's frustrating for somebody like me, because like, if you looked at my practices from, uh, you know, 1993, when I was coaching prep school hockey to today, they don't look anything like that. I mean, there's nothing that even resembles what the, the ho- hockey practice looked like back then, except when I walk into some rinks and I'm like, Oh my God, it's like a, I walked into a time machine and, and I could see, and, and the kids are, you know, they're, they're, they think like the parents, like it looks like hockey. And, and you're, you know, one of the guys that you follow, I know, and, and I love is uh, Daryl Belfry and it looks like hockey. It looks like they're doing a great, like, you're like, Oh my God, look at, look how, look at the flow out there. And the kids are the crisp passes and it's the one touch, boom, 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 boom. It looks good, right? It looks like a hockey practice, but the kids aren't really learning and they're, and they're not, you know, they're not getting to a point where they're thinking on their own and they're evolving on their own. And, uh, and I, but I, you know, one part of me understands it because there's a lot of pressure for people to think I got to make it look like this so that when we, you know, when we win, it's because of that, not because the kids are just better than they, you know, and, and the star player didn't show up because he was at football practice or something. Well, you bring up a fun, funny point of like looking good versus actually being good. Um, and I've, I've coached with folks where it's like, we got to be making tape to tape passes. And they're you know, telling the kids like, you don't be making tape to tape passes, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, if they have to make a tape to tape pass every single time, and we're not coaching very well. So I'm not sure if you've watched an actual hockey game, but there's a lot of stuff where they're area pass. Like it's to tape to space where someone's going into it. So at that point, it's like you are doing more harm than good. Like tape to tape passes are not what we want. It should look a little chaotic. And that's not what a lot of people think learning looks like. Um, and, and one of the greatest compliments I ever got uh, was actually recently. I, I went out with a group of kids. Um, it's like my second time going out with this group of kids. It was just like an off-season kids rate rising to body contact. So I was doing like some angling drills, things like that. One of the parents afterwards, like it was really cool to see like my kid evolve through the drill. Like you could see the first rep the kid got at it. Terrible. Second rep was a little bit better. Third one was great. And then there was another parent's like, yeah, my kid, he kept doing the same thing over and over again. Like it was like, you could see he should be doing something slightly different. And, and the great part was like, the decision-making was there. Like he could make the decision. It wasn't like it was boxed into, you have to do this because our decision, our game is all about decisions. So like, I think that was the greatest compliment ever. was like, I could see my kid growing through the drill. Like I, there's nothing better than that. 
Yeah, we had I had a conversation with a dad who's a hockey dad, you know, a hockey guy. He gets it. He played. He played Division One college hockey. He's like, oh, I just watched your, you know, I'm working with like these are these are seven year old, eight year old little junior ranger kids, right? And we're doing uh we're doing a constraint based game of tag. So basically, it's just tag. Kids have to go through a funnel, and they got it, and the other kid has to you know steal the ring get from them and that's how he gets the tick so and they're watching and and the one the nice thing like the compliment was the dad understood it was hockey right I, I, there was 90 parents that are in the room that didn't under they're like oh they're just playing this stupid game of tag and the other dad says wow did, i really saw how my kid learned how to angle and how to funnel the kid to an area and how to you know stick check them and how to put their body between him and the and the ultimately where the where the ring get had to go and all those kind of things where the kids didn't know if I would have told them we're going to do a, a checking and angling drill, they, you know, all of a sudden they, they just wouldn't get it. And that's what we basically we were doing. We're doing a checking and angling drill with six-year-olds. And it was all based off of the fact of fundamentals of play and then constraining the environment that kids can be in and then letting them figuring it out. And eventually they figured it out because, you know, a couple of kids would go in and get run over. Because there's no way they're going to, they can't just run into the kid. They got to angle them and put them in a situation where they can go, you know, steal the ringette. But all of that was irrelevant to the point of over the, over the, you know, that whatever those drills were 12 minutes of that time, those players evolved into under, you know, not all of them, but the players evolved in understanding the way I angle this player and the way I squeeze them off and the way I get into places where I can control them. And influence them is going to help me win the game. And so when a hockey person sees that, they're like, oh, that was pretty good. I like the way you did that. And I'm like, okay, well, you're, you know, that's good because you see the game and what I'm trying to teach. Yes, it may not involve pucks, but it, it's actually teaching hockey, you know, and it's a lot of fun. And the kids are, you know, disguised into learning, uh, which is a lot of fun. Which is our job, right? I mean, I, you know, I, I often say, like, if you go, if you take your kids to a playground, they never ever you'll never hear an eight-year-old asking when like the jungle gym's gonna when they're leaving. Like, are we done with this jungle gym yet? Or, you know, I'm really tired of swinging. You know, I really not I'd rather not play tag again for the next 15 minutes. They never ever want to leave. Like just they play and play. You send you bring your kid to a playground with five friends, you can't get them to leave. And why? Because they're creative, they're having fun, they're exploring, they're trying to, you know, they're doing things like you don't want them to do, like climbing on top of the 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 tube you know the the and they go no 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 you can't go up there you're not allowed up there well I'm I'm up here so I must be doing it I must be doing okay so you know all those kind of things is their exploration and we have to make you know somehow we have to give our kids uh you know that opportunity on this on this ice sheet I lo I love that analogy hockey is just a jungle gym where we just make sure they don't hurt themselves and they're exploring yeah like stop slashing the kid over the head with the stick you can't do that. But you can, you know, like I love, like to me, like all our, our, we call them battle drills, but all our little junior ranger stuff and all the stuff we do with these nine and 10 year olds, they're all battle drills. They're all like, like understanding and having body confidence and, and knowing that the breezers are there for a reason. Like the reason you have those nice big padded pants are, are not to block shots. They're there to get your butt in there and, 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 and move a player and, and, you know, find a way to get space and, and use your body to shield the puck or the ringette or the whatever it might be that you're protecting. Um, and those kind of things have to happen. I mean, I, I, we often talk about, you know, bot checking and body contact and we're eliminating it at, at the lower and lower levels. But the fact is we should be enhancing it more and more and more at the youngest levels. Like when you're four years old and you get knocked on your butt, 
it's really not that bad. It's like, okay, it's kind of fun. They kind of laugh. And you're 50, it hurts. You don't want to get knocked on your butt because then you got to get up. But I think, you know, when you when you look at the way we teach kids, I want as much contact and as much, you know, the, the ability for them to, you know, be in a good stance and control their stick and control, you know, where their weight is and their transfer and then how to, you know, wheel off somebody. Like that's the kind of stuff we can teach at, at five and six and seven years old. Uh, and they don't even know they're learning it because they're just laughing and having fun and, and bumping into each other all the time. Love this. Um, mind if I make a right-hand turn here? I'd love to chat a little bit more about Benelli as a hockey parent. Um, <laughs> so I think that'll be a fun experience. Because like we, we all talk about how perfect these things are and how it should be. But we all know uh, when you've got a human being over there that's literally hitting their brother and sister in the head for no good reason, that sometimes you just got to take the practical approach. So how's your experience been being a hockey parent and uh, going through all of this? Obviously, you've got a little little more uh, tools in your tool belt and, you know, understand this stuff. But there's a practical practicality about this. Yeah, it's so it's a struggle every day. I mean, it, it's it's a struggle. I think probably for my kids, it's a struggle because they have to hear that, you know, they have like half the rooms like, oh, that guy's your dad. Oh, my God, he's the worst. Like, oh, you know, you know. So and I think, you know, on the other side is, you know, you know, try to teach. And, and be involved. And, and, you know, one of the things, and actually I took this from Lou Varro, you know, one of the things that he gave me a little advice a long time ago, was like, if you just, if you just treat your players, like the type, the players you're with, like you would coach your kids, like they were your, all your kids, you're so much better off. And so I try to, I really try to do that and understand that, like, I want to make my kids experience the best experience they can for hockey. And if I can, if I can do that, then I, then who benefits the other the other kids on the ice, like everyone on the ice benefits. So, you know, I, I, I whether, and, and they don't like it, I know they don't like it, but I, I use my kid, you know, my kids are kind of Guinea pigs for me. Like I'll, like I'll get a new training device or I'll get, you know, we'll get polyglide ice or we'll get the gel sticks or we'll get, you know, the rev balance board or whatever, you know, whatever it is that I, I, you know, talking to different, the sense arena stuff, you know, we got all, and they're like, Oh, you got to try this, put this on. I'm going to put you on Twitter. Like, oh, I'm not, I don't want to, it's, I don't want to, you know, you can't do this to me. You're not allowed to use my name. You got to get my rights. You know, so, so it's, it's very, uh, but it's, Sign them up for an NIL deal <laughs> Yeah, soon enough, but it's hard. It, it's really difficult because, you know, I, I have to bite my tongue too. I mean, I'm in the car and I'm, 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 you know, I never got to the point where I know some, some coaches have been like, okay, I'm dad here and I'm coach here. Do you have to call me coach on the bench? I, I really, I never, I never really have gotten that, 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 you know, cut and dry. It's more of a gray area for me most of the time. And, and I really try not to be harder on my kids. Like, and I, but I am, I just am. I mean, I know just the other night, you know, I, my little guy's out in practice and I'm watching him laying on the ground and some kids I've seen laying on the ground, I'm like, Oh, you know, are you tired? Are you exhausted? You know, just take a nap, you know? And I'm like, get up. <laughs> you can't lay on the ice. So it, 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 it's so hard to, to not, you know, be the parent that you keep telling other people not to be. And, and in a lot of ways, I'm really fortunate that I get to be inside the glass, right? I get to be in there. Like, I don't have to hang on the glass and yell at my, my kid and give him hand signals. Like I'm actually there. So I got to be really careful about, you know, where I am in relation to that. And uh, so it's always a work in progress, but I think the, the number one thing I try to take away is that I just really try to treat all the kids on the team, you know, 
and and with the understanding that when they get in the car uh, with mom and dad, I, I just want them to know they had a great experience and that they had somebody that cared for them. And I want them to feel the same way. And I want my kids to feel the same way, you know, about me. So I, I am, I am much, much, I, I would say 98% of the time, I'm, the kids can put their headphones on and listen to music or play, uh, you know, Nintendo switch or whatever it is. And, and I won't talk about hockey at all, which at some point I'm like, Oh, maybe I should talk about a little bit of hockey. Cause that was awful, <laughs> but it's, it is, uh, it's hard. It's really hard. Yeah. I forget the actor who mentioned the story about like, he felt that his closeness with his kids in their later years, just because he didn't talk about hockey on the car rides back and forth. I want to say it was something Daniels. Uh, you know, the actor. Yeah. 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 From dumb and dumber. No, yes, because yeah, he's a big hockey fan, right out in LA. LA. Absolutely, uh, that's the exact Jeff Daniels. That's yeah. his name. Yeah, and that's yeah. a great video. Everyone should look that one up. I thought it was absolutely amazing because he was like having fun with this whole conversation that he was having with this with this gentleman. And when it came to that, like he got super serious, and he was, you could tell that he was super happy at the parenting decision that he made early to not talk about hockey just making sure that, you know, they had fun, they enjoyed themselves, but then talk about anything other than hockey on the car ride home uh, or even to the rink. So it was, yeah, I just love seeing that switch get turned where you could see he went from like fun actor guy to like serious parent. Like, no, like this is one of the greatest decisions I've ever made. Yeah. And it's funny because I think, I think that's what like my oldest now who's 15, you know, he often will, he'll like, I'll just let him, kind of like, Oh, did you know, I tried doing this and I didn't like what I did here. Or, you know, I, I really try not to initiate it. Like, I don't want to be like, you know, cause even in other sports, like I, t- I do, you know, you mentioned the, like the whole ADM concept and what we do, like I do a lot of work with USA lacrosse. So our USA lacrosse program, it basically the, the, the manual looks like USA hockey. They just changed the hockey stick to a lacrosse stick. It's the same thing. I mean, they just, they must've used, uh, you know, the edit, you know, just like replace ice hockey with lacrosse. And that's what, and that's how I teach lacrosse so even even in that way where i'm not an expert lacrosse coach you know i'll i'll have those conversations in the car that are that are just initiated by the kids um and i'm like okay yeah well yeah if you're doing this we could talk about that or i'll show you a video you know when we're home um you know but for god's sakes just look outside and see the beautiful scenery <laughs> you know i, I, and, I and it's so funny because I, I think i'd rather talk about hockey than them just play a video game uh, it, it, so it's a it's a it all depends on how you're speaking about it. I think it's just like, are you talking about it in a, are you trying to teach? Are you just trying to listen? Are you trying to influence? Or are you just talking about hockey? Like my little guy, I'll talk, he, he's a Pittsburgh Penguin fan. And we'll just talk about the Pittsburgh Penguins. It has nothing to do with his hockey or his experience. I just like talking about hockey. I said, I'm good at it. I can't talk about basketball. So I said, give me a subject I can talk about. Yeah, well, the, the kid, the kids are the ones initiating, which I think is probably the key element right here. Is like, where do they want to take the conversation rather than forcing it upon them and having that, that you know, kid-centered approach, which is so crucial that we all know. Well, there's like, there's like a joke in the house, you know, when it's getting late for bedtime, and and my kids and I, I didn't even know I was doing this. But they would manipulate me in my, into like any time it was getting around bedtime. My my wife would be like, okay, it's bedtime, and all of a sudden, like Michael would put the Ranger game on or put a hockey game on. Oh, it's hockey. It's it's okay, Dad. It's hockey, and I and I also I'm watching the game with him. Like, oh, geez, you got to get to bed. Like, you know, or or you know, my little guy will take a hockey book out. Like, okay, we're gonna read a hockey book. Oh, that's okay then. 
it's hockey. You know, so I think it's a, it's, a, it's an ongoing joke where they knew like if they could if they could if they could rope me in, then I I was I was uh, hook line and sinker into oh you want to learn more about hockey then I'm here for you, you know if you want to watch uh, you know you want me to play Minecraft with you no put it away go to bed. <laughs> That's funny. That's awesome. Yeah, they're they're smarter than we give <laughs> credit for. I was definitely manipulated for sure. Still am. Yeah. So, but last big thing I want to talk about. Um, is things that you see that go right often and things that maybe go wrong uh, more often than that, or like common mistakes or common things that people do well that we can all learn from. And maybe there's some things that come up to mind as a coach, as a parent, uh, as a player, et cetera. Um, just what are some things from your experience? I'd love to dive into your, your experience and, and drive out you know, some good and bad. Yeah. I think from the youth hockey perspective, I think one of the, the, the bad parts, I think what we do sometimes is we only, we just constrain ourselves to the, the, the walls of the rink. Like we just, we just think that hockey is taught inside the boards and the glass. And we have so many more opportunities. I walk into these rinks every day. So I'm working with, you know, I, I, I work with many organizations right now as this hockey solutions architect. So going to, going to a, a program kind of doing a, an analysis of where they're at, looking at their, at their location, looking about, looking around at all the, all the uh, amenities they have, the space they have, the locker room sizing, uh, the, the common areas and the, and the, and the workout rooms and say, well, how can we, and you know, how they're affiliated with their school district and what kind of gym space they have. And I think one of the, the common things that we do a really poor job of, and, and, and this is a lot of sports, but hockey in particular is, we only coach the kids when they're in the rink, like we're on the ice surface itself. I think we can do such a better job of understanding. There's so many more aspects that we can add to our kids, especially in the winter. Like if you're, if you're a multi-sport person like me, like you don't want to, you know, you want the kids to be able to play soccer and football and lacrosse and baseball. And, you know, I know, I know we're in the, we're in a, a world where all these, all these worlds collide, but if you have a hockey kid in hockey season and it's November to March, find ways to get your kids to the rink early or stay late or get another night and do like, I'm a big floorball guy. I'm a big off ice training guy. I'm a big, you know, uh, preparing mentally for games teach. That's a learn thing, right? Learning how to prepare mentally uh, for practices and games is learned. I, I, I used, when I was coaching at Plymouth state um, university in New Hampshire, you know, one of the things that really I saw was a huge differentiator in the type of kid that I would get is the kid that only played games and the kid that learned like from a prep school perspective, how to practice every day and play limited games. And I always thought that was such an interesting dynamic because you in the, at the college level, you have to know how to practice because you practice most of the time and you can't just go into and play. You can't play nine. You don't play 90 games. You come from an environment that you have to learn that there's, there's a cadence to the day and there's a cadence to practice. And that practice determines your play for the most part. Um, and I think I try to get that to be in the, the lexicon of where coaches think like we have to make practices competitive. We have to make practices, you know, influential. We have to make practices, you know, impactful where they can actually then be at the same physical and mental level as the game we're asking them to play. Um, and I don't, I don't think we do that. I think we just, Say, oh, well, we're going to give the pregame speech and we're going to do pregame exercises, but we don't do that for practice and preparation and training. 
And I think that's one of the big pieces we lack for sure at the youth hockey amateur level. Teaching them to train and prepare for practice because practice, I mean, that's where the real learning happens. Like the game's great, but if you haven't done great work in practice, like it's going to be what it's going to be like. Well, the intensity level too. I mean, the adage of you play like you practice isn't like they didn't just make it up. Like that's just not something like, oh, well, no, you know, like, like, you know, the kid, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a gamer. You know, I, 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 I just, I show up at the games. Like, yeah, but you know, you know, we don't, we don't have many Allen Iversons here. I mean, we have, I, you need to, you need to really battle in practice in order to find out where, where you can battle in a game. And I think it just makes your teammates better and it makes your team better. And as a coach, it just really helps you determine, especially at the youth level. Again, I'm speaking about, these are 10, 11, 12, 15 year old kids. How do we how do we put them into battle situations where they got to think quick, be re, be be proactive in their approach, influence where plays are going to happen, and then how can we build that into a translatable teaching environment? And that's the challenge for all of us as youth coaches. Brilliant, um, Mike. This has been great. We could probably go on for another hour, um, but I think we should probably wrap it up here and, and take a rain check on the rest. Uh, but I do want to give you two minutes uh, to talk on anything that you want to talk on. I know uh, you've got multicolored pucks, you got floorball, you got plenty of stuff going on. So feel free to plug a few things or just uh, some messages that you want to send to the folks out there. Yeah, no, I, I just think, you know, for me, it's like just be a learner. I mean, I know I, I, I subscribe to your your uh, newsletter and I think, you know, getting that kind of stuff in the inbox every day or, you know, join the coach's site and, I, I use a program called coach them for, you know, a lot of stuff I do, you know, in the hockey world, as far as teaching and video and obviously the power player guys who, who sponsor a lot of the stuff I do. I mean, I think a lot of, for me is not so much plugging a product, but using the tools that are out there at your disposal, the best to the best of your advantage. And, and, you know, not, I, I, you know, for what I do for youth organizations, like I have to remember that most people have real jobs. Like they, they go to an office, they sit there all day. They don't have time to read, you know, a hockey arsenal newsletter. They, they have to, they have to really, you know, uh, what I try to do is find those things. I try to find those little pieces. Like I'll take your stuff or clips from the coach's site or things. And I'll send those out to these organizations and these coaches and say, Hey, listen, I'm going to do all the hard work for you. I'm going to find, I'm going to find all the snippets that, that, that work for you. And then you can then digest them and use them. And I think that's my, my, you know, my biggest advice for, for any youth coaches, you know, don't, don't feel like learning is a burden. Like don't feel like you have to check a box to, you know, just go through your certification, you know, figure out a way to just take, you know, 15 minutes of something new to learn and bring back to your kids each week. And it doesn't take that much effort because of where we are with social media and newsletters like yours and programs like the coaches site, you know, just take those little pieces and, and bring those to your kids and your parents. And I think it's, uh, you know, you just make a, a, a better, a better hockey world. And, and, you, and you're going to, and you're, hopefully you're going to, you know, leave, you know, the ice surface feeling like you've really made an impact. Oh, and that's, that's the best feeling. It's when you're like, yep, this was, this was really good. I made an impact. Uh, maybe it was just on emotional control, especially at the <laughs> uh, youth level uh, more than anything, but that's something that'll continue to go on for, Years and years and years, and uh, you, you hit on the head with the whole hockey IQ newsletter. I mean, the whole point of it is to be short and to the point. Like, make one, two points max and then get out of the way because life is busy and I don't want to be that, oh, I really got to sit down and devote some, devote some time to this. Like, no, you should be able to 
go through it while you're sitting on the john on Sunday mornings. Well, it's fun too because you can take the little piece of it and just say, "Hey, I love that. I love that that comment, or I love that line, or I love that." You know, I could take it out of context and use whatever that is that you're like. For instance, right now I've been on your, um, I, I've been on the kick of using your your pregame warm up, uh, you know, uh, write up about just you know how it it can't be this cookie cutter, come out of the corner, miss a pass, go down to the other rink, yell at the other team to give your puck back. The goalie gets a shot off the back of the head and, you know, nobody really gets a warm up. And I'm like, well, and then everybody's yelling and screaming at the kids that they're not prepared. I said, well, you need to prepare them in a better way. Like, like, and so I think that's like, those are the kind of things. Like I think every coach can take that, just that one thing and take that and implement it. And their season changes like that one thing. And so just take that one thing, find a way to, to use it to your advantage implement it into your team uh even if it's a little wacky you know come up with the you know i think the the one the the, the it was bill beanie i think you referenced actually from middlebury who used to do the you know the two teams come out for warm-ups his, his own team came out for a warm-up with two nets and it would play three on three cross ice and that was their warm-up and what better warm-up is it than to compete and play and fight and battle and uh you know because that's what you're going to be doing in 15 minutes and i you know so i love that i love the idea of the creativity of of thinking about you know, how can we do that better? And, and things like what you're doing and, and people around, you know, so many resources out there to grab from, you know, that's, that's where I gravitate towards. Awesome. Glad that uh, you're getting a lot out of it. A lot of coaches are, uh, yeah, you're doing God's work out there. May may not feel <laughs> like it a lot of the days, but no, I absolutely think about the influence you're having. It's, it's fantastic. And uh, I was really excited to get you on. So Mike, thanks so much for uh, joining today. Yeah, thanks, Greg. I love what you're doing and uh, keep it up. And uh, hopefully people can keep supporting you and give you the opportunity to keep writing. And I, I don't think people behind the scenes understand how hard it is to uh, edit video and, and tell a straight and and find all these other, uh, you know, all the resources you attach to the stuff you put out. So thank you and, and uh, really appreciate what you're doing as well. Thanks, Mike. Cheers. Thanks, Greg. That concludes this week's episode. Thanks for joining us here at Hockey IQ. If you haven't already, take a quick moment to hit that subscribe button, give us a thumbs up, and drop a review. If you want to be a great teammate, even recommend us to a friend. You can follow us at Hockey's Arsenal on Twitter and Instagram. Check out the website, hockeysarsenal.com, where you can subscribe to the weekly newsletter. You won't regret it. Catch a Buttes here next week for a brand new episode.